you know, we're adopted, we're apprentices, and we're ambassadors, you know, ambassadors of the kingdom. Like we actually get to be a part of ministering to others, of being, serving a priestly role of um, mediating God's revelation of himself in scripture to the nations around us, to our neighbors, um, to, to knowing his word and teaching it through the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is a beautiful, beautiful reality. You're listening to The Chopping Block, a weekly podcast from City Life Church, where we have short, informal conversations about the Bible and the meaning it has for our lives. If you didn't get the chance to catch last week's sermon, I'd recommend going back and giving it a listen so that you can pick up with us where the sermon left off. Good morning, everyone. This is Elin. I've taken over The Chopping Block podcast, had one good episode, and I'm just going to let it get to my head and take it over now. <laughs> yes, I, I I affirm that. Good morning. Okay. We have me, uh, myself, and Brett here. Um, since Brett preached this Sunday, um, I'm going to be the one that kind of leads and asks him the questions. So we're just going to dive in. Yeah. Last week, Brett asked me a very important question about tacos, my favorite taco places. And I got a lot of comment from people saying, oh, those are cool, or I'd like to try those. So I thought we'd stick with the food theme and ask Brett. He's been in Wichita for what? Eight years. Eight years now. So you can say you're a Wichita, are you? Yeah, I think so. I think this is home. Yeah, for sure. Okay, great. So I'm going to ask him what his favorite uh, places to go, or one place or several places to go for dessert. Yeah, this is hard. Because I'm usually picking my spots specifically off of entrees, if I'm real honest. I'm an Mm -hmm. an entree guy. But, you know, so I was thinking of maybe for a posh one and just a a, a normal one. But, you know, if Emily and I only go here maybe once a year, but, you know, if you get a gift card or if your parents pay for it or something else, George's French Bistro on uh, Central has incredible food in general, but they have great desserts, kind of a mixture of desserts mm-hmm. that I agree. we try to get. We'd like to get one of everything we go. So it's fantastic. I think it's one of the best meals in Wichita in general. But just for the common people, which I am a common person, Andy's Frozen Custard is a frequent go-to for us. We are just ice cream people. Mm-hmm. Emily and I are simple ice cream people. I'd take a Brahms mint chocolate chip shake. I'd take a frozen custard from Andy's with peanut butter cups mixed into it and cookie dough. And those are those are the spots I frequently hit. So okay. pretty simple. Yeah. But I but I had Andy's this week, just to be honest with you. Okay. After usually after a hard day, that's mm-hmm. where I'm headed. <laughs> Andy's. Hitting Andy's hard after a stressful <laughs> day for Brett. That's where you'll find him. I concur with those choices too. Andy's is Close to our house, so that's dangerous. We walk there sometimes. Right. So, yeah, those are great. Well, great, thanks uh, for the options. question. I also got multiple comments about your taco list last week. So we have listeners. One, I think we this helps us to know we have listeners. And two, that uh, man, people like tacos. So okay, we should do this more often. It, it, we can get recommendations on favorites, and then people can learn the different uh, spots in Wichita to hit. This is true. Okay, we'll jump right into it. So. Um, 
This Sunday, Brett preached on the identity of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a really great message for me, just a reminder of who we are um, as a church community, who we are individually as we grow in Christ, um, but more importantly, as a body, how that reflects um, kind of God's goodness and drawing people to himself. Um, and I know usually when they preach, you know, you get, what, 30, 35 minutes to yeah. preach. I know there's some things that you would like to expound on, and maybe for time restraints, you're not able to um, in the service. But with this podcast being called The Chopping Block, mm-hmm. um, what was something that you had to chop for time that you wish to expound on in your message? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, it really is why we created this uh, podcast. And and I would just say, you know, there's hours this is not like a pat on the back. This is just a reality, hopefully, of any faithful preacher. There are hours and hours and hours that go into study and preparation before a sermon, and the hardest part is cutting that down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, For me, with my pace and cadence, and that just means how quickly or slowly I speak and, sh- and preach, uh, I know I need to be around 10 or 11 pages of, of how my manuscript goes to be at 30, 35 minutes, and often I'm getting to 12 or 13 in prep, and I'm like, man, I've got to find a way to cut this down. Mm-hmm. So uh, one thing that came to mind as you asked this question, which is really significant, but it's just not the way the Lord led me this weekend, is the idea of the priesthood of all believers. So, you know, w- we talked about one of the key aspects of the church's identity in First Peter 2 here is this idea that we are priests. You know, he says, um, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then down in verse 9, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. And I really took that in the sermon in kind of a holiness direction, which I think is, I think works in the context of the passage and, and kind of, Peter's continued argument from chapter one, which is this idea that that we're supposed to live distinct lives as God's redeemed people, and and priests did right; they were set apart for worship. They were set apart uh, and sanctified to uh, dedicate their lives to Yahweh, and so that's the kind of the way I took it on Sunday, which which I think is true and good, and and and, and we can talk more about that in a moment. But uh, Martin Luther, the Reformers, and others have taken this idea of the priesthood of all believers, and it's been pretty significant to Protestant Christianity. And this idea that, you know, we and I, and I said this on Sunday, but we all are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We all have God living and dwelling inside us, which is just, just an incredible thought in general. But pro- part of, you know, the, the Reformation's, um, kind of uh, pushback against the church in some ways was this idea that that all believers had access to God directly and that all believers could and should interpret the scriptures for themselves and, and, and be a part of ministering to others, that that wasn't just reserved to the order of priests. Um, now, to be clear, in the Old Testament, when... In Exodus 19, God calls Israel a kingdom of priests. He doesn't do away with a Levitical priesthood. There's still a a specific order of priests who who are, if you will, professional ministers in the nation. And so I don't think, as some have taken this uh, maybe too far in the past, I don't think this means that we don't have paid professionals, pastors, 
ministers, priests who uh, who serve the Lord vocationally. However, there is a real beauty to this idea of the priesthood of all believers. Um, actually, I'm just starting to read a book, and and Alistair McGrath uh, in 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 one book he wrote has a book called Christianity's Christianity's Dangerous Idea, Most Dangerous Idea, which was really this that that anyone can interpret the Bible, right? That's that's a beautiful thing, but also you that's where we get thirty eight thousand denominations mm-hmm. in Protestantism, right? Because everybody can go, no, this is what the Bible is saying. So um yeah, I, I would just say the priesthood of all believers is is something I didn't go into. I tried to remind us that we are indwelt individually as believers. But I do think this is huge, and this is something we want at City Life. And I think we maybe talk about this in, in different ways often when we, you know, part of our definition of disciple here is that we are, you know, we're adopted, we're apprentices, and we're ambassadors, you know, ambassadors of the kingdom. Like we actually get to be a part of ministering to others, of being, serving a priestly role of um, mediating God's revelation of himself in scripture to the nations around us, to our neighbors, um, to, to knowing his word and teaching it through the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is a beautiful, beautiful reality um, that I think we should talk about more, but uh, it was just not something that I could give a ton of attention to because, you know, often when you're preparing a sermon, you just feel the Lord kind of pull one thread through a text. And for me, that thread ultimately ended up being this idea of wholly distinct, weird lives. Mm-hmm. And so, which absolutely describes, I think, some of our priest-like life as well. But yeah, I think if I had to bring up something that, that got chopped that, that's really important, this is the idea of the priesthood of all believers. Yeah, I really liked a lot when you, um, I wrote in my notes here, to live priest-like lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea hasn't really struck to me, just that term, like living like a priest, because when we think of priests nowadays, we think of, you know, Catholic priests or whatever. But I think when you talk about in your context of the kind of looking back at the Old Testament priests, you right. know, just seeing their lives as they're consecrated, they're set apart in service to God, like right. wholly devoted, W-H-O-L-O-I. Um, like living those lives that are, yeah, set apart in service to God. And um, just seeing how that, plays out in our lives. I think sometimes we don't fully embrace that very much of just how important it is to be in scripture and kind of have your quiet time with the Lord so that you can share your, the gospel and share right. it correctly. And I remember David May um, a few weeks ago when he prayed, um, I think when he prayed for the mission team, this stuck out to me. He said how we have the privilege of having the scripture and God's word revealed to us, but that's also comes with a responsibility mm. of then taking it to heart and also then taking it to share. Yeah. And so I've just remembered his prayer from that. And it's just really struck me and stayed with me just like, yeah, I do have this privilege of God's revelation to me, the indwelling of the Holy spirit in me. Yeah. But that comes with a responsibility then on my part to live that, to demonstrate and declare the goodness of God. Yeah, that's so good, Elin. And that brings up another thought for me that, you know, Israel, Old Testament Israel, the priesthood especially, but but all of Israel, um, you know, if they're living God's covenant rightly, would not have recognized a sacred, secular divide in the world, 
Like, mm-hmm. hey, there's a place where I can stop being set apart for God and I can just be myself or do whatever I want. They wouldn't have recognized that. And the priests for sure wouldn't have. Like their whole lives, their whole day was dedicated uh, around to what they were doing that day, what their responsibility was in the tabernacle or the temple, right? Um, or even if they weren't serving that day, potentially they were still living set apart lives. Uh, and I just think, you know, one of the dangers for us as modern Christians is really to live in this sacred secular divide that, that when I'm, and we've talked about this before, but when I'm at church on Sunday or when I'm at city group or when I'm at Bible study, you know, that's my sacred spaces. But when I go to work, you know, that's just being, being my work self or when I'm at, you know, my third place, the gym, uh, wherever it might be, that's just, that's just my time. And God doesn't really maybe come into that or have any overlap there and i think that's maybe something to think about when we think about this idea of priest-like lives there's no sacred secular divide for Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good thought i don't have anything else to say that that was you covered it really well thank you thank Um, you uh, well you talked a little bit um you mentioned a lot of i'm gonna say this in quotes different ways of being weird yeah um just as we live out our, the gospel in our cultural context, um, we just are different. Our values and our standards are different from the world's. But um, can you think of a time that you were called out um, for something that you did that was weird, that came from living out, living out your faith, either negative or positive, or even something that someone noticed in you, not necessarily that they called out, but yeah, that they noticed? Yeah. I, I've been thinking about this question, and and maybe it says something about myself that nothing pops, like, comes directly to mind. I mean, they're definitely, you know, whether these are, I don't know, important or unimportant, they're definitely times in college, right? And, and, and just afterwards when, you know, I was living with roommates who, who I love, who are still some of my dear friends today, but living a little bit different of a lifestyle and, you know, was often mocked for things I would not engage in, um, whether that came to sex or that came to uh, alcohol at the time or whatever it might be. And, and that's, that's not just to create, again, this list of rules, but this reality that I was, especially in, in spaces where there are not other believers, um, I'm trying to, to live a different lifestyle and to let, not let other things control me other than God, right? And so uh, for sure there have been times where I've been, it's been, mocked or joked because you know i've been what i think i've been trying to do is be faithful to christ in in, in a certain context um you know positively uh, i don't know I, I hate to even really talk about this i th- i think one thing that's been mentioned in workplace settings at different times is just uh, i really try to be and i don't do this perfectly but i really try to be unwilling to engage in gossip about other people or just to like engage in drama. <laughs> and I'm not perfect at that. I've definitely, let, let's me be clear. I've definitely talked about people behind their backs before. I've definitely not handled myself well in every circumstances, even as a pastor. So I want to confess that on air. I've definitely not done this perfectly, but I've tried to. And it's it's just something that, that was instilled in me from an early age and something that, that I, I just care about other people's feelings. I care about uh, how other how I'm perceived by others, maybe unhealthily at times. So, you know, there have been times just in workplace settings, leaving hard 
workplace settings where uh, there were there were opportunities maybe to to um, engage in that kind of talk or or uh, speak into someone else's reputation and I try to I try to always stay out of those things and I think there's been comments from coworkers or or uh, bosses in the past where that's been seen and so it's one of the ways maybe I try to be weird but then and maybe I'll ask you after this but 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 also I I just want to admit like maybe more importantly. I don't always do this well, right? Like one of the reasons I'm preaching it uh, is because I need to preach it to myself. And and let's be honest, and, you know, we don't have to talk about all the hot bus- button issues today. We can talk about whatever it is the Lord leads us to. But it's it's a really hard time to believe some biblical ideas and try to live that faithfully and still be a loving person. Mm-hmm. Uh, often believing certain biblical ideas again whether it's about sex or gender or abortion or whatever it might be uh, no longer can be a you can still be a loving person and 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 believe some of those things so there are definitely times uh, you know i can think of a honestly a, a really clear time where i was sitting in a uh, a chair getting my hair cut recently uh, in the last few months and the the lady doing it was was kind we're having a great conversation uh, I don't think she was living a similar lifestyle to probably what I was trying to do and she asked me what I did and I really didn't want to say pastor mm-hmm. I just really didn't I work I didn't want to say I worked for a church I just didn't want to engage in that I didn't want to see what might be the reaction from that and she probably would have handled it fine it's about myself it's about my own insecurities probably but so I would say, like, as much as sometimes I have been, uh, I have tried to live weird, distinct, holy life in, in the past, and sometimes that's been received positively or negatively. There's also been lots of times where I've cowered. Um, and I think that's why we need the church. I think that's why we, you know, to go back to maybe the main part of the message, why we need each other, to know that we're not alone in it, to look beside someone else say, oh, you too, you, you're trying to do this. Not perfectly, but you're trying to do this with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really powerful. Yeah, I agree with that last sentiment you said um, of just needing each other as a church body. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the importance of the gathering on a Sunday. It's kind of when you come in, your t- fellowship together, worship together, kind of be refreshed, and then we send out, you know, that's, I feel like that's part of what the benediction does, send out, because we're right. out there being missionaries and ambassadors for Christ, and then Wednesday, you know, you go up and get filled up again with your with your community. Sunday, you come back, and it's not for your self fulfillment, but it is for your for your spiritual strengthening. Is yeah. just to kind of strengthen each other. That's how we you come in. You kind of get refreshed, and then you be sent out again. It's like this constant ebb and flowing of your your week and how how that's structured. Um, yeah, and go back to kind of your conversation about you know things that set us apart or being weird or how we live that out. Um, as you were talking, I was just kind of thinking about how currently in our world context, like you need to have a stance, like you need right. to have this strong stance on something on whatever side it is. But I've found myself just kind of realizing for me, I don't think that's the space where the Lord wants me to be. I don't think mm-hmm. he wants me to be on this side and because that ostracizes the other side and then being on this other side ostracizes this side. So it's like, I feel like, a lot of the Christian life is lived in the gray. Yeah. Like, yeah, we have our standards, our core beliefs that we 
believe in wholeheartedly, but how we live that out, it's it's gray a lot of the time. So I feel like that's when you need the strength of the spirit. You need the indwelling of the spirit and the strength of your brothers and sisters to affirm you and like kind of encourage you in that as you live that out. Like how, you know, coming and asking, hey, how do we, you know, enter in this into this situation or right. how would we how do we biblically engage in this but not compromise the gospel, not water it down and not really give in politically or whatever, but like what what would the Bible have us say about this? Like right. what's the Christian perspective that we have to say? And sometimes it's really tricky. There's not always an answer. Um right. but I think the answer is always going to be in like viewing people with compassion the way sure. Jesus would see us with, with compassion. And and that involves like engaging, like even in the uncomfortable things and really learning and being curious um, about people yeah. and even learning their stories and not necessarily coming and just having a stance like, Hey, this is wrong. It's more like, Hey, I want to love you. Well, I want to engage with you and, and, and kind of seek to understand where you're coming from, like with all earnestness not like with an agenda to try to poke holes at but really to have a posture of learning and listening from them no i think that's really good yeah i think with your neighbors and with your coworkers and friends and family yeah i think relational uh relational witness is the best way to go about things knowing people hearing their stories listening i think you're totally right um and i think that you know there are situations where god's just really clear that like hey you don't need to be in this space because it's, you know, maybe it's your own struggle, your own sin struggle, or maybe it's your own, uh, just you're not at a place in your walk with Jesus where you can be in certain spaces. But, but I do agree that, that, um, you know, Jesus was with the tax collectors and sinners, right? He he broke bread with them. He ate with them. Mm -hmm. That's our call. And that's why I finished with, you can't, uh, live this life of proclaiming the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You can't live it in a bunker. You can't live it in isolation. You know, some of us, and, and, and you know, makes sense, right? Sometimes we see the news headlines and we see what's going on in culture and we just want to just hide. Um, and, you know, whether it's you know, another tragedy or whatever it may be or another headline that seems to be uh, not, not, uh, walking in Christian values, like sometimes we just want to hide. But the reality is, is that's not who Christ mm-hmm. would call us be, to be. And that's not our role. You can't shine your light that like that's to the point we talked about at the end, like that's hiding your light under a basket. Mm-hmm. And we're called to be lights that shine in the darkness. And so we have to be out and amongst people who don't yeah. believe what we believe yeah. and try to live weird, distinct lives as lovingly as we possibly can. And as gently as we possibly can while uh, standing on the truth. So it, it you know, but, but I would just say, I would just say there's no way to not, for, for if you're going to try to live this kind of life, there's no way for it not to come to conflict with the world at some point. Right. And that's what the, that's what Peter's readers were experiencing. They're living in a Roman society. It's pluralistic. They're living in a society where emperor worship is, is uh, a must where, um, you know, sex is, is just totally, uh, free for all and men have all the power. Um, and Christianity comes in with this really different way of approaching one God, approaching, uh, the sanctity of life, approaching sex, approaching, 
how we treat people, how we treat the vulnerable, the poor. You know, there are so, so many slaves and women in the early church mm-hmm. because they were finding value that they never found in other societies at that time. And this, and people saw this, and they were accused of all kinds of things. Uh, they were accused of being cannibals because they ate the body and blood of mm-hmm. Jesus, right? So, so there will be a time we can try to do everything we can, and we should try to be as loving as possible. But there always will be a time when this lifestyle, this this trying to be priest like lives, trying to live priest like lives, will come in conflict with the world. Um, and that's when we need the Spirit, and that's when we need each other. And that's when we don't become, you know, cultural warriors just trying to destroy people, but we become more and more the the person of Jesus who was quiet as he was led to slaughter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we walk a really interesting line there, but Jesus is with us in the middle of all of it, and the church is our family mm-hmm. while we try to live faithfully that out. Yeah, as you were saying that, it made me think of... Um, uh, Rich Riotis has said this idea, so I'll steal this from him, but he says when, you know, when we pray your kingdom come, it's not a resignation like, Lord, just bring your kingdom. I'm, I can't, I can't deal with this world anymore. It's just too much. But he says it's a participatory statement. Yeah. Like your kingdom come, like as the church, like we are ushering in God's kingdom. How do we as um, believers, like, be part of that, be part of his kingdom, participate in it. It's like his invitation to us. So hearing Rich say that, like, it really has shifted how I prayed that. Yeah. Like in the Lord's Prayer, like, oh, that is what it means. I, I'm participating in the kingdom. Like the kingdom in eternity, like, starts here and now. Right. Amen. Um, so. No, that's really good. I, I, I think you're right on. And uh, that's that's what we're called to do as spirit-empowered ambassadors of the kingdom on a daily basis as we try to leave, live weird, yep. priest-like lives. Okay. And we do it together. Live weird, city life. That's our new motto. <laughs> All right. See you next <laughs> week. If you want to find out more about City Life Church or if you have any questions about the kind of things we talked about today, You can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect card, and we'd love to reach out and stay in touch with you. Thanks for listening.